Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. We're talking recruiting. Big, you know, 11 commitments in, what, 12 days? Uh, about About as big and as fruitful of a recruiting visit weekend, one that we previewed. Um, prior prior to it happening just a couple days before and we said there'd be a good amount of commitments I don't know if we could have predicted 11 uh, but we're gonna run through them all we're gonna look at some of the big picture what's next for the class uh, and and of course if you want to read more about all the commitments the scouting reports so on and so forth check it out at the michiganinsider.com 247sports.com slash Michigan uh, should be able to find all of your recruiting intel there but Steve uh, we'll we'll go up the rankings list, but this class vaulted from 23rd nationally to 6th nationally. Uh, just a huge, huge weekend. If it, what would your over under over this two week stretch have been uh, entering the weekend? I mean, were you surprised? Was it more than you thought? Better than you thought for Michigan? Steve, people would have said that you're you're a little too optimistic. Oh, I don't but... <laughs> even I don't even try to set myself up with that crap anymore. I mean, you you can't. It's like the visitor list. You know, writing a visitors list three weeks early, and these you have 20 kids that say they're going to come, and then nine of them cancel beforehand, and then people get angry and say the weekend is a bust and nobody's showing up when really it's just us trying to get ahead and a kid saying 
boy, that sounds like a good idea to go there. I think I'll just go. Yeah, I'll go. And then, you know, mind you that they have to pay their way to still at this point and all that crap. It's the same idea. I just don't set yeah. myself up for that type of crap anymore. So anyway, as, as you pointed out, the commitments, yes, of course, they can always decommit and commit elsewhere. Um, statistics show that happens two or three times a year anyways. But it, it does create some mental hurdles, and it, and it does mean that uh, there's a mutual belief that this, this partnership can work. So let's, let's go through them, through the 11 new commitments. Uh, only got a couple minutes for each of them, but we'll start... We'll go up the rankings, and that's uh, certainly the rankings can change. But we'll start with Chris Jenkins, who committed today, uh, defensive end from Our Lady Good Council in Maryland, uh, ranked 594 overall, six foot four, two thirty nine. Uh, you know he's he committed after kind of the initial visit buzz. Uh, I guess what what factors went into that timeline, and and also what put Michigan on top. Well, I'd say the story is with what put them on top is a lot of times going to kind of be similar. You know, the sure. academic-athletic combo, especially for a guy like Jenkins at, at Good Council is a pretty good academic high school, if I remember correctly. So, you know, a lot of that stuff's going to be pretty similar. Jenkins, a guy that didn't – one of the few that uh, is more of a recent offer than, you know, a lot of these guys who they've been recruiting for a while. You know, I knew a – has only really extended a handful of offers up front since he's been hired, you know, which to me says that, you know, Jenkins, again, for Jenkins to be one of those guys is, is significant that he's a guy that they obviously like. I always listed six four two thirty nine. still think his future is in the interior. I mean, I want to say his dad was a big-ass dude in the NFL in the middle. I don't know if Chris is going to gain as, be as big as his dad was. I think his dad was like 300-plus hmm. in the NFL. Uh, but... You know, he is going to be a guy that I think will eventually slide into the interior and kind of give them maybe a, that three-tech or uh, another strong side type guy they can rotate a little bit. But uh, great pickup. Now, you know, again, his dad played for Maryland, pretty highly regarded Maryland alum, so that's, that's a nice little win to beat. I know Maryland, not a program. People are like, oh, great, we beat Maryland. But, uh, yeah, but they've had some defensive ends and D linemen that have no, come they, through, and right, Lox right. is a good recruiter. And this, and this Next up is uh, Eamon Dennis, athlete out of St. John's in Massachusetts, uh, ranked 493, 5'10", what, 173. Uh, what's, um, what's his deal? Actually, this is one of the ones, he's someone that, you know, I, I follow recruiting maybe at like a, a layman's level. You know, I see the stories, I retweet the stories, I you know. I, but I don't necessarily pour over things. I think I might have missed him while I was covering the College World Series. What's what's his story, and what, is, what does he bring to Michigan? I mean, it seems like they've gotten a lot of these athletes. I don't know if, what side of the ball he's going to be on, but, uh, you know, of smaller but faster stature. Right. He's offensive, athlete all the way. Okay. Uh, you know, his, his recruiting profile, I said this a long time ago before anybody – his recruiting profile is almost identical to Mike Sainer stills. Now, not putting any pressure on him, given what we know about 
you know, the expectations that Sainer still's kind of created already for himself. But yeah, it's putting pressure I mean, on Sainer still too, right? <laughs> well, right. Well, a little bit, but I'm, you know what I mean, though. Like the, yeah. the hype that he's garnered. I mean, he'll play this year as a true freshman. This is always a really significant achievement, in my opinion. Says a lot about your abilities, uh, Dennis. Like, I'm not kidding. Their recruiting profiles are, are literally almost identical. They're ranked within 50 spots of where he's ranked within 50 spots of where Sainer still was. He plays in the same state, which is not a highly recruited state at all. I think his position is pretty similar to what St. Ristil is playing right now in Michigan. I think he'll be used in a similar way. I think like St. Ristil, I think he's also a potential special teams guy uh, that could do damage in the return game. And like St. Ristil, I think he's underrated uh, as a recruit. So very interesting for them to go into Massachusetts two years in a row and get a guy that, yeah, because we had all kind of labeled St. Russell as the sleeper of the class, you know, early on, and then he became such a sleeper that he wasn't a sleeper anymore. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if Dennis is going to follow a similar path, you know, depending on how his senior season goes. But I want to see it like a 40-inch vertical or a 39-inch vertical at his size or something. The guy's very, very, very athletic, quick burst, uh, his long distance speed is, I noticed from watching this film, he's not, uh, I mean, he's running away from guys, but I think his, I think he's much more effective, like short bursts and then hitting the open field, which mm. again, in, in, it, you know, it's more important in my opinion. So uh, that being said, he's still really fast. Right. It's just, it's just trying, to nit, trying to nitpick some of these guys' film, you know, a little bit when they're you know, scoring seven touchdowns uh, and rushing for 521 yards. Well, you know, and he so. is he is a three-star. I mean, you know, not all of these guys are going to be top 200 recruits, which means that they're not right. all perfect, flawless right. elite athletes. Right, right. Yeah. So, no, he, yeah, so that's another, again, one of the guys I think I look at and say probably a little underrated, but again, it, if, as far as, you know, with people that look at that stuff, I'd just say, like, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, not sure that anyone's going to get out there to watch him play it live this, this fall. You know, that's kind of the difficulty, you know, in, in evaluating some of these guys for our people. We only have so many people we can send to so many high schools. Uh, I've never been to Boston, so I'm kind of trying to work it out to go see all three of their Massachusetts commitments at some point, but it may be this summer during, like, their camp and not for an actual game. Mm. <laughs> uh, but either either way, though, my evaluation skills, I think, are limited. So, you know, I don't know if our, you know, he'll be a he'll be a senior film type guy. You know, his senior film will probably dictate where he goes. But then again, Sainer still has never changed. He was pretty much the same rating all the way through. So, mm-hmm. uh, but again, great pickup. Another kind of the definitely the he's oh he's definitely going to be the least talked about speed and space guy that Michigan recruits in this class. Okay. <laughs> so next up, actually next up is uh, William Mohan. From Brooklyn, uh, I know I know he's been talked about a lot. He, I think he might have been the first shoe to drop in the recruitment, uh, or from this from that weekend. Uh, coming out of Brooklyn, the the school that Campanile's brother coaches, uh, athlete six one one ninety five, four forty one in the composite. Uh, what stands out about him? But I you know I think you can almost look at his offer list and who is pursuing him the hardest and kind of determine <laughs> what his that his ranking is more or less irrelevant, that a lot of big-time schools want him. Sure. Viper, at this point anyway, and like much like Hudson, other guys they've recruited at Viper, I think it's just 
they're you know when they're recruiting Viper, they're kind of looking for what you would actually look at as like a tweener type prospect. With Mohan, I'm kind of interested to actually see if those are still his true measurements, six one, one ninety five. Uh, either way, though, another like elite athlete in my opinion, uh, and another guy I think. Again, I mean, he's underrated in that Michigan in Michigan scheme. He's a an amazing fit at that Viper spot. You know, he's a he's one of the better fits they've recruited there, in my opinion, um, as far as the athleticism and and size and speed. You know, just the whole package there. Like the other, like most of the guys they recruit there, I think coverage is always going to be the biggest challenge. You know, in getting acclimated to you know right. playing a little bit in coverage or whatever. But you know, I I still think, yeah, you know, Ohio State was involved there, uh, Miami, Penn State. You know, and, and so, yeah, and again, Brooklyn, New York, Erasmus Hall has actually produced some guys, but Brooklyn, New York, you know, not a spot where you feel like the cream of the crop nationally uh, are playing high school football. So, again, turning over every rock, you know, but in, another guy they were, he was a top guy for them for a long time. You know, this wasn't a, hey, this guy committed, so let's just say that he was a top target for them so that people feel better. Uh, this was, he was... <laughs> 100% a top target for them at Viper for a really long time. Hey, I have a question with Campanile, with that connection and the connection to Don Brown, do you think he could be almost, I mean, I'm sure they run something similar anyways, but could there be some some advantage to maybe having an inside look at what the Viper looks like? Like, could he actually play it more in high school? Could they modify the position at Erasmus Hall? Question. It would. It would depend. Yeah, it, it would. It would depend. You know, on what their scheme already is, and then also the other thing with a lot of these guys, especially the small school guys, is if there's a lot of pressure on them to do like a ton. Right. Right. You know, like I remember Luke Sco- Luke, like Luke Schoonmaker was recruited at tight end last cycle, or in eighteen. Sorry. I mean, he played. He played quarterback. He played corner back as a tight end size guy uh you know and so i i mean it would depend on the right the makeup of his team i mean now erasmus hall again like i said is, is produces some guys so maybe uh, but i'm sure there are things and this actually might be a good question to ask a a, a kid at that position specifically is you know if there are discussions you know like he's already committed so he comes up to campus you know and michigan says hey how about you know, you work on this, this, and this. I'm sure it's got to be discussed. You well, know? it's got to be um, easy it, when you have the family connections. Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, so yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. Interesting to think about, though. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. When, when a guy's committed, you're probably, you know, they're going to be calling you. You're going to be talking to him a ton. I'm, I can't imagine it's all talking about the non-football stuff. As much as kids in interviews always love to sit there and talk about how you know, we didn't just talk about football. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm sure there's football talked about too, you know, and so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, next up, Aaron Lewis from Williamstown, New Jersey. Uh, not everyone is from the Northeast, but a good chunk of them are. Uh, six foot five, 235 defensive end, um, 429 in the composite. Looks like he's got, got some frame to fill in, but... Uh, that that usually seems to be a formula for success for the defensive ends. What what stands out about him? So this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're Morant, Aaron Lewis, and then R.J. Moten after they evaluated him. He isn't committed yet, but they lead the crystal ball. Uh, those are the three guys, you know, who in that state they really, really wanted. Uh, they have two of them. And then, like I said, they lead the crystal ball for Moten. So, you know, for them to flip him from West Virginia, I think was very significant. Cause again, oh, that's I mean, right. This guy, is that guy. <laughs> yeah, this was, a, this was a flip, you know. And so uh, that was pretty significant. Again, he committed to West Virginia before ever visiting Michigan. So I think it was a situation where, you know, you just stay on him, stay on him, stay on him. And, and I mean, it was significant how quickly Michigan pretty much was able to convince him to, you know, make that flip. I mean, they did it in one weekend, mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, but again, anchor, another anchor, strong side end type guy, you know, and, and there'll be some versatility there up front. And like you said, he does have a, you know, yeah, that's 6'5", 235, that just screams weight gain. Um, I'm sure he'll gain some weight before he gets to Michigan, but, uh, you know, again, a nice body frame to build up and, and work on and, uh, you know, kind of turn into what you want to turn him into. So, yeah, top target the whole way. Uh, mm-hmm. He was right up there with McGregor uh, as far as defensive and defensive line goes. I mean, he's a guy we talked about for a really long time. Yeah. Well, that was a true flip, too. Like, like it's not like thing the talks had cooled with West Virginia or anything. Or, I mean, no, West Virginia probably is a little blindsided he, there. <laughs> I can tell you a little, in, a little inside insight there. Uh, I mean, when he, when he arrived on Michigan's campus, West Virginia had no clue that he was right. there. So Michigan did a really good job in, in kind of convincing him to come up, you know, because he publicly was very solid, seemed very solid to West Virginia. Not, you know, not going to say that I'd forgotten about him at all, but just it seemed like he had made his, kind of made his mind up, uh, you know, but then, made, like I said, made the visit without West Virginia – just say West Virginia found out he was visiting during one of their seven-on-seven camps and were scrambling to the telephones to figure out what the heck was going on type <laughs> deal. So, um, yeah. so, yeah, so just good, persistent work by Michigan to get him up there and then maybe kind of show him that it's a place where he should be. All right, next on the list, Jeff Percy from San Juan Capistrano, California, 6'7". Does that say 265? Okay, so he's in that same blend that we've been talking about of offensive linemen uh, that have the length and the footwork, and now they're just adding the weight. 397 in the composite. Uh, what do you like about his game? And then and then maybe, since this is the first of a couple offensive linemen, we'll discuss uh, you know a little bit on that too. Yeah, that, that kind of transition. So the thing with him I'm interested to see – as far as the ratings ranking stuff goes is, you know, our, our analysts have been adamant about, you know, maybe a little bit of a transition as far as how we rank guys up front, you know, as far as, because yes, because there's now a strong, strong correlation between guys around his size in high school that turn out to be, you know, very good offensive tackles. And again, this is another yet another guy that Michigan was after for months. Uh, they're 
Warner did a really, really good job in getting Michigan in the mix with a ton of their guys that they really liked up front. I think what had been hamstringing them a little bit was the fact that they signed six right. last year. It's, it's not easy to, you know, like we talk, I think we had talked in the past about Noah Nelson out of Arizona, very, very similar prospect to Percy. Uh, I definitely think the kid was favoring Michigan. I just think at the end of the day, I think Oklahoma was able to successfully pitch like, hey, you know, they signed six last year. They're going to know they're going to sign at least one more tackle this year as well. Like, you know, just you can probably get on the field a lot faster here than you'll ever will at Michigan. And, uh, you know, so with Percy, yeah, I think it's, again, not a guy. And this is for, for the first time in forever, this isn't a case where Michigan necessarily needs a first year guy up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll take one every day if you can get one, but the depth is like there for them to really take guys that are going to take a little bit of time, you know acclimate them to the college weight room, uh, you know, get the playbook in their hands or whatever, you know, and not have to feel like you have to put guys in positions they're not ready for. So, you know, another guy I'd be interested to see how his senior year goes and if our evaluators change, not change their mind, because, I mean, again, an 87 is still ranked higher than 99% of the college or high school prospects in the country. But, like, again, 34th ranked offensive tackle in the country is really high. Like, I don't think people realize that. Like, that's really high when you have what? You know, every say every, say every top 15 or say every top 20 team takes two tackles every class. You know, you're, you scored one of the – you know what I mean? So, right. like, I look at the positional ranking and this 34th overall, that offensive tackle is pretty solid. Now, is it elite? No. But it's still really good. And there are tons of guys every cycle at offensive line that pan out or in, the, in this range. So, uh, top target for them really was the whole way. Yeah. By the way, real quick on the offensive linemen, one you can look this up. We every NFL draft it comes out. Someone tweets out what those offensive linemen weighed as recruits, and it's like the average weight is like two seventy, which is contrary to maybe the past, like t- two decades ago when. It was like all these big 300-pounders who lost weight in college almost and, and went the other way. Um, one school that's done a really nice job of bulking offensive linemen up in a productive way has been Wisconsin. And Ben Herbert was one of the strength and conditioning coaches that was a part of that. So uh, it's certainly something Michigan's going to continue looking for, something Michigan seems to be – I mean, we'll see what happens. Ryan Hayes is kind of maybe the first – the first guinea pig to go through the system that way, but we'll see what he can do. Uh, you know, this yeah, fall. And I think Mayfield was a little underweight. Under. Yeah, he was like two eighty five. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. Well, but he. So he was. He did a good job of putting on a lot of weight before he enrolled. Hmm. But when they first took his commitment, I mean, he was two sixty five, hmm. two seventy. Okay. He just put on a lot of good. He put on some solid weight before he got to campus. So. Gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, Hayes is really that prototypical in that regard. I mean, Hayes is a guy that some schools probably would have recruited that tight end type hmm. deal. Right, right. Okay, next up is Reese Atterbury uh, coming up from Aurora, Colorado. 393 in the composite center. 6'5", 280, so he's a little bit more more up there, but but that's expected from a guy interior or that's, that's listed as a center. Uh what do you make of him? I mean, he might he might be able to compete early on if he if he's all that in a bag of chips. Center is one position where 
they have guys and they have foreseeable backups, but it's not necessarily a a, a lineage of three or four after Caesar Ruiz. Right. I mean, it'll depend. Yeah, I think part of that will depend on what direction they go with the the six that they just signed. You know, if Rumler, if they like Rumler at center, I just Rumler's going to be there for a while. Then I just think he's gonna, wherever they put Rumler, I think he's going to stick and he's going to be a really good player. Um, but yeah, if they and that's not a knock on any other guy. I just think Rumler's just such a safe bet. You know, but right. yeah, I agree. Atterbury's a guy, so there's a weird recruitment. Uh, he's a guy we had listed as top target for a really, really long time, you know, and, and really what it came down to. And again, it's just like people want to be like negative about this, but it's just a fact. And I don't think it really means anything as far as, you know, he's a guy that Michigan's always been high on. Uh, but Ohio State, Notre Dame both pretty much filled up on the interior. And sort I don't know, maybe Ohio State more so may, might have even backed off. Maybe they weren't quite full. I don't know. Uh, but Notre Dame definitely really liked him. I know our Tom Lawyer, our uh, Notre Dame guy, has said as much. Uh, but they filled up. And he, I, I'm going to be honest, I, mean, I think he just kind of fell into Michigan's lap, to be honest with you. Because I think if either one of those two schools had been pushed forward and will, been willing to take him, I think he may have gone there. Uh, but that being said, that's, uh, that's what I say is, like, people will say, oh, you know, like, blah, 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 same crap. But it's like... That's still it's still a guy they wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't, who cares how you get a guy, right? You know what I mean? If that's the way it happens, then so be it. You know, and and if anything, the guy will have a chip on his shoulder when he lines up against those two teams. You know, right. down the road, if anything. Not, but he's still. But that being said, he's still a really talented player. I know. I can't remember the one of the users on our site's like a big offensive line guy, like loves him, thinks he has a lot of potential. You know, and. uh Again, yeah, like you said, maybe depending on where the chips fall at center, he could be a guy that they may that could have a chance to compete early. But again, I think that just comes down to fully comes down to what they do with, with Rumler. So, uh, yeah, that should be interesting. But yeah, no, that was a very kind of a surprise, a nice like a pleasant surprise for them at offensive line because he's a guy like I said they really liked him. I just kind of think they had probably figured he was going to end up elsewhere for a while. I got you. And now here he is. Okay. Next up on the list, heading into the four-star territory, uh, committed yesterday, Roman Wilson, out of Honolulu, out of Honolulu, Hawaii, six foot, one seventy-five, runs a four-three-seven forty-yard dash. Now he's going to put on weight and eventually uh, probably lose a little bit of his speed, just as that's how it just naturally goes a little bit when you first get to college. But four-three-seven, no one at Michigan has run. A 40-yard dash that fast at the NFL Combine. So this is, you know, they've got a lot of speedy guys, but he might be one of the fastest. Uh, he's another guy that took took a breath, you know, took a week to to commit after after this big, you know, commit rush. Uh, what other other than speed, or maybe more on the speed? What stands out about his game and his fit? Uh, I just wrote today uh, I think he's a stud like I think Michigan hit a home run with this one like I think he's going to be a, he has, I'm not going to say he's going to be I'm not going to I can't guarantee anything I just I think he has the potential to be a very very good player uh, another late riser too I mean 24-7 just made him a, a four star about a month ago uh, Barton loves him made a point to say that he could 
his rise may not be over hmm. in the rankings as well. You know, because they just kind of got their first real look at him this summer or spring, maybe. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, another guy like really kind of the same we talk about with Nua on defensive line is, uh, you know, they've, they've made they've made a decent amount of offers at receiver since Gaddis got hired, but by and large he's gotten his the main like speed and space type guys that they've offered since he's been hired. You know, but Henning already had the offer, but he was an afterthought. for uh, Henning would never consider Michigan if Pat Hamilton was still the offensive coordinator. Hmm, I was just okay. be honest about it. It's just, you know, because Henning was a guy who was in the top 100 to begin and never really gave Michigan a big look. Gaddis getting hired completely changed that recruitment. With Wilson, it was more, again, he was a little bit of a late bloomer as far as evaluators go, kind of came on the national radar. But he was still one of the first, I would say, like speed and space type guys that Gaddis has offered. And, uh, yeah, I just think he's a – he has the potential to be really, really good. I think he's got that total package type deal. Because six foot, that's strong. Uh, you know, he's not a 5'8", five, 5'9", five, kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, right. he's got six foot and will do it for you at the college level, well, whatever, let alone the NFL. You know, and with his speed, that's a – that's a combo that anybody can work with, you know, and that's why, so that's why I wrote, you know, it's like, I think he's a guy that can excel. I don't care what the uh, scheme really is, you know, a guy that fast, who's not like super tiny, you know, he's a guy that can do some damage. So big win. Uh, you know, I know Sam did a great job covering that recruitment was a kid that's got some connections here. I think that's what really put got Michigan's foot in the door to begin with. Okay. And they, they did a good job on the, uh, the visit got this one done. I don't know if it was fully expected he would do it now, um, but again, let's see, you'll take it all day. And uh, Yeah, he's fast as hell, man. I mean, his, his film is fun to watch. Uh, another guy who I think his senior season will be interesting. I think there may literally be a fist fight to see who gets to fly out and evaluate him on our <laughs> site. Uh, you know, and uh, but either way, you know, it's a great addition for sure, no doubt. I was gonna say you're over here angling for Boston. I think think you're looking at the wrong guys, but uh... dude, I hate to fly, so I'm probably out either way. Oh, okay. like, I'd have to take a boat. I'd have to drive to California and then take a boat. So I think I'm probably out as far as uh, heading to Honolulu. Uh, next up, heading heading closer to the top 200, ranked 201st, uh, Blake Corum, another St. Francis Academy guy. Clearly, I mean, we've talked about that that initiative, uh, Biff Pogi School. Also a school that's just produces a lot of really good football players. I think, what, 14 guys in the on the team right now have Michigan offers. Um, but he's he's one of the better ones. Running back, 5'8", 185. So maybe not, not your what you'd think of as a typically dominant Big Ten running back. But that I do think that position's heading that way. Uh, he committed June 27th. Um, instant impact kind of running back? Or, or with that size, do they want to add more to his frame? He's pretty rocked up. I mean, 186 at 5'8 is, that's... I guess that's true, yeah. Action, right, you know, like at 5, because 5'8, I mean, I'm 5'9. And, uh, you know, it's, so this dude must be rocked up. I mean, he is, you've seen him. I mean, he's he's jacked. Um, again, lightning fast. Hmm. A guy that the staff liked before the Gaddis hire, but I think flew to the top of the board afterwards. Because, and instant impact, yeah, I mean, I think that's always possible in, in this system. That's the thing. I think you're going to see more and more times that, you know, if the guy's just a 
uber athletic guy that there he's going to have a better shot you know and i don't think that means that the scheme is more simple necessarily i just think it means that uh oh maybe it is i don't know maybe that is what it is i just i just think i feel like these you know you look at what saying the senior still is going to be the guy we're going to keep talking about with this stuff but i think that's really a good indicator that you know true freshman if you're an elite athlete you're gonna have a shot and we know, like, I think back is a spot that Michigan really needs some guys this cycle, whether it be the all-purpose type or more of your, like, bell cow type guys. So, you know, I think he, you know, again, top target the whole way. And I think I wrote today, you know, not quite the impact is Zach Charbonnet committing, but I think it's closer to that than people realize. Uh, he was a top-of-the-board type guy. You know, leather, rinse, repeat at this point with these the guys that we have left. I mean, these are all, like, tip-top type players at you know at that spot at, the, at their respective spots so it's gonna say uh, we got we got three more well, well, oh go yeah. ahead anyway we got jordan morant from new jersey virgin catholic uh school uh number one overall safety according to 24 7 sports second year in a row they've gotten that i mean we'll see where the rankings finish but uh seems to be as you said, someone they were pursuing forever, uh, complete package. You know, I mean, they were even selling the fact of him and and Daxton Hill playing alongside each other as kind of an allure to it. So uh, obviously, he brings quite a bit to the table that they that they're already kind of thinking of that as a potential, maybe even year one situation. Uh, certainly, certainly, twenty four seven thinks he could he could be climbing up even higher in the composite. Uh, thoughts on his game? Lightning, so he's interesting. Lightning fast. I think a little bit raw, though, too. For being ranked the top safety, I think he's got some development, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be ranked as high as he is. If that makes sense, right? Uh, has all of the characteristics of a guy that can be a stud at safety. I'm not guarantee that he'll, be, that he'll end the cycle ranked as our number one guy. I mean, I kind of actually think it's probably not going to end up being the case. Uh, I don't think he's going to, like, drop far or anything. It's just it's just these things fluctuate so much um, that it sometimes, especially when your top safety is ranked 41st right, right. in the country, uh, usually there would be a guy that will emerge at some point where it's, you know, kind of maybe can separate themselves a little bit or what. But uh, can play in the box, can play, can cover – you know, a great compliment to to Hill and Johnson last cycle, and again, they'll they're likely to get at least two more guys that could play safety for them. So, uh, big pickup, beat Ohio State there, beat USC, beat Penn State, beat Notre Dame. Uh, you know, just a, a stud. Campanelli, big time in that one, obviously, as the, his brother's head coach at Bergen Catholic. So, uh, you know, big win for him, big win for the staff. Another stud. Safety's right. like a spot they, like, you know, I don't know. They really turned it around at safety. You get Hill. You get Morant. I know Johnson wasn't rated as high, but I still think he's probably better than almost any other safety the staff had recruited until that point, um, at least potential-wise. You know, so all of a sudden, safety's, like, looking like a spot. And that's where people maybe want to take a look for a little bit and see, like, think about how good this defense has been with what I would say is, solid safety play you know but if you can get an elite guy back there I mean that could be a really big difference maker for them whoever it ends up being crazy that that happens when your yep. top recruiting assistant becomes in charge of the safeties 
Uh, funny yeah. how that works, right? No, but um, yeah, it is. next up, Kalel Mullings, another Massachusetts guy. This guy's from Milton, Massachusetts, top 150 recruit, outside linebacker, listed on our site, 6'1", 220. Um, another guy that I kind of missed the boat on. Uh, maybe that's that's foolish of me since he's their third highest rated recruit, but but fill me in. Tell me tell me more about his game. They've been recruiting him for like ten years. Um, <laughs> he was like I want to say he was one of the first three or four guys they offered in that entire cycle. You know, Don Brown has liked him for a long time. He's a lot bigger on film than I've realized. Probably projects in the I think he projects in the inside at Mike. I think he has said as much himself. Kind of one of those guys that just I think is going to end up not being talked about enough, you know, because he's been on the radar forever. He's not really an exciting name in that regard for a lot of Michigan fans because again, we've probably done like fifty updates on him throughout his recruitment, you hmm. know, and like sometimes those guys I feel like can get a little lost in the shuffle at the end of the day because you know it's just like you. Granted, now it was this one. He, he was looked like he was leaning towards Stanford for a while. Michigan kind of came back in on this official and really, really impressed. Um, but again, just a guy I think may end up being a little bit underrated or under thought about, you know, within the maybe the Michigan fan base or people that follow this stuff just because he's been around for so long on the, on the radar forever. Uh, so, yeah, really good pickup. He's a guy who I think what's really impressive about him is like his rating and ranking. I think he fell a little bit, but for a guy who was pretty big early on, was got a lot of his offers really early. The fact that he's pretty much stayed static uh, within the rankings and ratings, I think, is a is a pretty big deal actually, uh, and that's always a good sign that you have a pretty good prospect. So, no, let alone he plays in a you know Massachusetts again. You know, again, not a spot where. Our people are going to be a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, probably one of the bigger surprises as far as it really turned around fast, as far as him committing. You know, like I said earlier, wasn't a guy we thought there was really no timeline for him. And it kind of looked like Stanford was in control there, you know, but Michigan did a really, really good job in the academic side on the official visit. And, uh, I'd, I'd probably say that maybe Michigan was a little surprised that they were able to seal the deal this quickly with him. So hmm, okay. it looked like one that could have gone a little bit longer, but again, you take it all day. Yep. All right, last one. Uh, A.J. Henning from Frankfurt, Illinois, 80th overall in the composite. Uh, classic speed and space guy. Um, I'm sure J.J. McCarthy coming in the 2021 class didn't hurt with that recruitment. Uh, but he had, I mean, he could have played anywhere he wanted in the country, um, brings everything to the table. He's one of just their two top 100 commitments right now, but that means that there's there's a lot to his game. Uh, any Anything, I mean, we've kind of heard the same spiel for the receivers. Any Anything especially stand out about him? As a stud, just like Wilson, really. I think they got two elite guys that fit what they're trying to do. Henning, obviously, the bigger name because of the ranking and, and who they beat for his commitment. You know, another win over Notre Dame head-to-head, which those two schools keep going back and forth, I feel like. Notre Dame's definitely beaten Michigan for plenty of guys recently. Uh, probably have gotten the better end of Michigan more often than Michigan has otherwise the last couple cycles. But, uh, you know, between McGregor and Henning and uh, Morant even, uh, you know, they've gotten some guys this cycle they've beaten Notre Dame for. So 
always an added bonus there. Uh, but yeah, again, kind of that quintessential, you know, just get the guy the ball and let him do the rest of the work, you know, and uh, strong hands. Another guy that's really just kind of maintained a really high ranking throughout the process and uh, is a guy that they worked their butts off for. Like I said, with, with if Pep Hamilton was still the offensive coordinator, he would. there's zero chance he'd be committed to Michigan right now. Hmm. Like, absolutely zero. Hmm. And so, uh, the, he, if anything, his commitment is, is a tangible indicator that kids are going to buy into what Josh Gaddis is selling because this is a top 100 guy who would not have given Michigan the time of day at this point in the cycle if they were still running the same offense they were last year. Right, right. Okay, that was all of them. Uh, we did kind of rush through them, so I want to correct real quick. I think I got my Campanile coached players mixed up. I think I got um, Mohan and and uh, and Morant mixed up. Is that right? Morant is coached by Campanile? Yeah, Morant, yeah Morant's coach is uh, Vito Campanile. Okay, so the question I had about Campanile, switch it to, uh, you know, just... Assume I was asking about Morant for that one. Uh, any any other corrections or, or things you want to add about any of the guys after going through the eleven in, in kind of a quicker fashion? No. Okay. Well, not all of us are perfect, like you. Anyway. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories. Lots of recruiting coverage this time of year over at MichiganInsider.com, 247sports.com. Uh, should be good stuff, both free and VIP. Obviously, we would love if you subscribed uh, both to the podcast and to the site. That's how these sort of things can continue happening. Uh, but I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next week.